morning. Merry Christmas, everyone. I don't know what kind of gifts you, uh, you would bring to baby Jesus if you're around at that time. I don't know, maybe I would bring the modern parent's uh, gift of YouTube to try to distract him from all the crying, but probably not, right? All right. Um, my name is Young, pastor here at New Life, and it is definitely my pleasure to welcome you for our Christmas service. And if you're just joining us for the first time, uh, welcome. It's a really great day for you to actually be with us. Uh, we've been talking about peace over this Advent period, and we're attempting to answer the question, how do we have peace? Um, I think it's a pertinent question, especially today. Um, you might experience a lack of peace when you look at the things going on around the world, uh, whether it is you know, things like the uh, war in the Ukraine or unrest in Iran. Um, if you're a Twitter user, you're definitely feeling a lot of unrest these days, a lot of uh, lack of peace. Or perhaps there are things happening just in your personal life, whether it's family situations, financial stress, uh, worry about education or the future. Uh, whatever it might be, we are all seeking some sort of peace of mind and peace on earth. So how do we have peace is the big question. Why don't we pray and then we'll get into the passage today. Father, we turn to you for this peace. As we come together this Christmas day, uh, we might feel some measure of peace in our hearts, we might not. Whatever the situation, whatever the case is for us individually, we pray, Lord, to you that you would bring us peace. We know, Lord, that you have a message for us, and so we pray, Lord, uh, that you would be the one speaking today, that even as we go into the passage, that you would be the one illuminating this word to us. As we sing the songs that we sing, as we eat together, as we pray together, in everything that we do, Lord, we pray that we would look to your son, Jesus, that we would glorify him on high, that we would look to him for our peace. We pray, Lord, that you would guide the words and the meditations of our hearts, and that you would help us, Lord, to love you just as you have loved us. So would you be with us this morning? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So a long, long time ago, uh, we read that these shepherds were out all night. They were keeping watch over their flock. And I wonder if you can picture this. You know, we have all sorts of Christmas cards that have this uh, image, you know, on the front of the Christmas cards, or we might have songs that sing about these things. I'm trying to actually picture this in my mind as well, and the image in your mind might be uh, very calm and very serene. You know, we're singing that song, Silent Nights, and we're singing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and there are, you know, certain words in that song that kind of give a little hint to what's going on. You know, the shepherds are quaking at the sight. You know, it doesn't sound very silent. It doesn't sound very serene, right? Maybe you picture a very kindly shepherd as well. You know, someone who looks old and wizened, you know, with a big gray beard, looking very welcoming. This is how shepherds are kind of represented in the New Testament. And you know that Jesus is called the good shepherd. And so if this is what Christianity is all about. You might be feeling like, man, there's a really nice image here. But at this time, shepherding had gone from being a family occupation to a nomadic occupation, one that was hated by most of society as well. It was a lonely job, as you can tell. You can imagine that you are, if you're a shepherd, you're out all day and night, you're keeping watch. Quite often, they were alone in the wilderness. 
And you might know what human nature is like. We fear the unknown, the other. You know, people that are a little bit different from us. If there's someone or some group that you don't see very often, well, you start to become a little bit suspicious of them. I remember at the uh, height of the pandemic, I remember ordering some food to our apartment. You know, it was dinner time, and we didn't really feel like cooking anymore. We'd been doing a lot of cooking, and so we wanted to, you know, Uber eat something. And so I get the little notification that the driver had left food at the security door. We go to the lift, but it's engaged. We have one lift in that apartment. And when it came back down, I got in, and it smelled so nice inside of the lift. You know, it smelled like a nice chicken dinner. And I was like, man, someone's having a nice dinner too. And so I went down to the, to the entrance, look at the security door, but there's nothing. There's no bag, there's no note, there's no driver, there's no one. My suspicion became in that moment, someone from a couple of floors above me had stolen my dinner. Because when I was in the lift, I could smell a chicken dinner and I'd ordered a chicken dinner. And so I started thinking. Now, did I have evidence of this? You know, did I have some sort of a camera watching this every movement inside the lift? I had circumstantial evidence, yes. But the reality is, a lot of people were ordering dinner around this time during the pandemic. So it's entirely possible that no one did anything malicious, that there was just some sort of an honest mix-up. But I was really suspicious of these neighbors from two floors up that I'd never met before. I was so sure. <laughs> I was so sure that they were Korean and that they had stolen my Korean chicken dinner for some reason. All right. Shepherds at this time were routinely accused of robbery, of taking their flocks to graze on land that they didn't have the right to use. They were nomads. They were wandering from place to place. They don't have a home to call their own. So people don't really know them. They're separated from regular communities long enough that people started getting really suspicious of them. Who are these guys just sitting out in the wilderness? These shepherds are always alone out there. What if a traveler just comes across them one day? Surely these shepherds would rob them, would kill them, would steal from them because no one would ever know. Now think, who would you be least likely to accept testimony from? Who would you be least likely to trust? Even more bizarre is the testimony of the good news that these shepherds bring. This most unlikely source of their joy is a baby, a baby born in a manger or a feeding trough where horses and cattle eat from. Why is it this baby born in this very strange circumstance that brings peace? They say that God is bringing peace on earth and it's this baby that's gonna do it. Now, you might not feel at peace today. You might even wonder if peace can ever truly come. Even as I talk about it, you sit in church here on Christmas Day, hearing this message, and you may wonder, how does peace transfer from here in the book, we're reading about this testimony of these shepherds and this baby, to here in your life? How do you actually get this peace? And that's okay. Because even in some of the Christmas songs that we sing, if you really listen to the, to the lyrics, if you actually read these lyrics, sometimes there's a small sliver of doubt that comes across about anxiety about whether or not peace is really coming. 
There's this particular Christmas song that I really like. It's called I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Do you guys know this song? Um, there's a shortened modern version of it on New Life Spotify's uh, Christmas playlist. Basically, the writer, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, okay, he's this poet, he writes about this disparity, this brokenness and this dissonance that he feels in his heart because he's facing his first Christmas as a newly widowed father of six. You know, I'm a little bit, um, I'm a little bit, I can't think of the word right now, I'm so tired, but like I'm a little bit dark, I think, and so I sometimes imagine the scenario of what if I was raising Jonas on my own and I think I would, I think I would die. I think I would wither and die because it would just be so hard. You know, I can't imagine doing what Bora does. Longfellow, his wife had just tragically died this year. She has succumbed to burn wounds from a tragic fire that Longfellow himself witnessed. He tried to put out the fire and he wasn't successful. Then his eldest son had joined the army and had been wounded quite badly in the American Civil War. He'd come back home, he'd nearly been paralyzed. And then Longfellow, he's standing there this Christmas day and he hears the Christmas bells ringing and he hears people singing about peace on earth. And all that Longfellow could see as he looked out upon this world and his life in this world was cruelty, was violence, was injustice. And so he wrote for this Christmas song that we sing. And I've got the words here. And in despair, I, bo I bowed my head there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. You know, very dark lyrics for a Christmas song. When the angels sing about this God in the highest heaven and of how he brings peace on earth to the people, how do the shepherds respond? Luke 2, 13 to 14 reads this. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Do the shepherds react in doubt? After all, they'd have more than enough reason to. You know, they're scorned by all the people around them. They're believed to be robbers and thieves. They're untrustworthy among their fellow men. What reason would they have to believe that there will be peace on earth? How can they hear this report about peace when so many people look upon them with suspicion just because of their occupation? Verses 15 to 16 continues. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So they make the decision to go to Bethlehem to see what's happened, and sure enough, they find that baby in the manger. And there's a beauty in the simplicity of what brings them peace. Do you see this? The shepherds hear about the sign that they'll see. They hear about it. A baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger, and so they go. And they see this just as it was described. In that Christmas song I mentioned, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, there's this theme of listening as well. The singer, he talks about hearing the bells, of hearing the people speaking or singing, the carols, he hears all these things and he has some doubts in his mind. 
And he despairs, as you saw earlier, but then he hears the bells again, the song tells us. And he really listens this time. And he receives this newfound confidence of hope and peace. Longfellow's writing this in the worst year of his life. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now for the shepherds, is it the angel that brings them peace? Is it the fulfillment of the sign that they actually see this baby? What brings them from being terrified, from quaking at the sight, to being joyful, to experiencing this great peace? The angels appear, the angel appears to the shepherds to proclaim to them the good news of great joy. They say, it's good news to you, specifically you, the shepherds, and for all people as well. Luke 9 to 12. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. It's the good news of this Savior, this Messiah, this Lord, this newborn baby that lies in a manger before the shepherds. It's an unlikely message given to an unlikely people of an unlikely source of peace that anyone would have trouble reconciling. Even the fanfare that follows, this multitude of the heavenly hosts, this isn't language that we normally use. It's a heavenly army praising God. It's an army that's deployed not for war, but for the mission of peace. Have you ever seen an army that does this? They come solely to declare peace upon the earth. There's a celebration of God that takes place and not only the announcement of who it is that brings peace, but the witness of the Prince of Peace himself. And then the shepherds listen. If they didn't truly listen to the message that was given to them, they could never have followed through. They could never have had faith. They could never have had peace. And you also are given this message of peace this morning. And as you hear this church singing around you, as you hear the songs of praise rising up to our God, to glorify our God, and to proclaim peace on earth to the people that he favors, those who will receive this message with gladness. But receiving this peace, this joy, wasn't enough for the shepherds. They had to go and share the message as well. This is what happens when you truly receive peace and joy in your heart. As they share this message, it starts amazing everyone who hears it. Everyone who listens hears about this angel who visits the shepherds as this messenger. The heavenly army's songs of praise for God, the trip that the shepherds made to find this baby wrapped in a manger, the Savior, the Messiah, and the Lord. These shepherds were given the message the good news, and yet we've just talked about how in this society, they weren't qualified to be legal witnesses. Who could take them seriously? 
How can it be that they're qualified to be the first witnesses of the gospel, greatest news that anyone's ever heard? Why would God come to them? Because the messages have been given to them. It's not the nature of the person receiving the message. It's the nature of the witness. No, it's the message that changes the witness, that calls the witnesses to testify. It raises their status from lowly to high. It fundamentally changes them once they receive this message. We all are just as unlikely when we receive this unlikely message of good news, of great joy, as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning. When we look upon the coming death that he endures on the cross for our sins and then his resurrection to give us new life in him, who could take us seriously? But all who receive this good news of great joy with gladness, we can go forth from here and we can share the joy that we've received. We can share the peace that we've received by bringing this message, this gospel of peace to all that we meet. It'll be up to God to change hearts. Why don't we pray? Maybe you've never prayed this kind of prayer before, or maybe you have before, but you've forgotten how to do it. But why don't we pray now for God to bring this message of peace to bear in our hearts. For many of us have heard this kind of message before. We've heard about this good news before. And we say that we believe, but we need help with our unbelief. So why don't we ask God, the one who changes our nature, the one who fundamentally changes who we are through the nature of the message, to do that work in our hearts today? Why don't I give you some time to pray that prayer, and then I'll pray for us.
come together this Christmas day confessing that we lack peace in our hearts. We struggle to take on board this message, to receive this message with gladness. We struggle to understand it sometimes. We struggle to articulate it to our people. We struggle to receive it and to live it day by day. But you are the one that makes it happen. You are the giver of good gifts. Even as we grow anxious about our human brothers and sisters here, about the gifts that we might give them, you never grow anxious about the great gift that you give. Not only the life of your son Jesus, not only his death and resurrection, but the gift of your Holy Spirit that we might never be alone, that we might always walk in step with the Holy Spirit that we might be changed fundamentally by him. We pray today that we would receive this message, this good news with gladness. We pray, Lord, for the unbelief in our hearts that you would chase it out with this message, that you would change our very nature, that you would help us to join in with the shepherds in receiving this message with gladness and going forth. And we pray that you would empower us Help us to no longer struggle with anxiety about how we will share this message, how our friends and family, our coworkers, our neighbors will receive this message. For that work is yours and yours alone. So we pray only that you would empower us, that you would embolden us, that you would give us courage to be able to share this message, this testimony, this witness of your son Jesus, and the peace bringing message that he brings. The good news of grace that has changed our lives and that will change this world. Help us to share this message and help us to believe that it is you that will change their hearts just as you change ours. So be with us this Christmas morning. Help us now to receive this peace as we go from here, as we share in fellowship, as we love your people and love you. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.